as usual this morning I have a few items which might be of interest and just to show the way things are going in this world the interesting thing in America the Catholic Church has settled another batch of sexual abuse lawsuits the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits has agreed to pay 50 million dollars to 110 people in Alaska who have been sexually abused by priests in childhood when they were altar boys and altar girls the priests have been shielded by the Roman Catholic Church and were never criminally charged they worked in rural Alaskan villages which is really terrible working in these small villages and abusing the children and they're paying out 50 million dollars there's a, another interesting bit here about a gathering which was held in Nairobi in Kenya featuring the broadest range of Christian traditions ever represented at a global meeting allowing for a discussion of unprecedented ecumenical breadth on what Christians are called to do together if possible in the world today the gathering was called the Global Christian Forum and it brought together about 250 high level representatives of all the main Christian traditions of their global organisations at this conference held in a place called Jumu'a near Nairobi uh, in Nairobi near a town called Limuru the forum stated's purpose is to create a new open space in which a broad range of Christian churches and inter-church organisations can gather in a multilateral setting to foster mutual respect and explore and address together common challenges. It aims to include all streams of Christianity including those which have not been in conversation with one another. About half of the participants will be were evangelicals and Pentecostals. Over four days, the theme was our journey with Jesus Christ, the, the Reconciler. And they discussed how best to, prom to promote dialogue and cooperation on issues of Christian unity and common witness in the world. The proposals for the future of the forum, it is hoped that a letter to the churches will summarize the results of the meeting. And here's who attended. African Instituted, Anglican, Baptist, Evangelical, Roman Catholic, Disciples, Churches of Christ, Friends, Holiness, Lutheran, Mennonite, Methodist, Moravian, Old Catholic, Eastern and Oriental Orthodox, Pentecostal, Reformed, Salvation Army, Seventh-day Adventist, United and Uniting Churches. In addition to these Christian traditions or families, a number of Christian organizations are also representative, including uh, regional ecumenical organizations, youth and student international movements, YMCA and YWCA, United Bible Societies, World Vision International, the Lausanne Committee for World Evangelization, that's Billy Graham's outfit, the World Evangelical Alliance, the World Council of Churches, and others. 
There's so many unscriptural things happening. You know, how, how can all these people who have such diverse doctrines... And we were saying last time we met, I think, we have to be separate in the world. Separate. You know, in Romans 16, verse 17, there's a very interesting verse. It says, when, when Paul was finishing off writing that wonderful epistle, epistle to the Romans, he, he's, in this last chapter, he's sort of talking about, the next one, he exhorts the people to unity. But he says, I beseech you, brethren, Mark them, take note of those people which cause divisions and offences contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Watch those people who are teaching doctrines which are contrary to those doctrines which ye have learned and avoid them. Reject them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ with their own belly and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. And so when he was writing to Titus he said to Titus adorn yourself with doctrine, with sound doctrine. It's so important that we have the right doctrine. So there we are. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11 and we'll read a few verses. Uh, we read some of these the last time we met. We didn't get too far. I don't know whether we're going to get much further today, but we'll have a try. Verse 8. Therefore shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye may be strong and go in and possess the land, whither ye go in to possess it. And that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed a land that floweth with milk and honey I always loved that expression when I was a kid a land of milk and honey I like the honey but it wasn't too keen on milk <laughs> for the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence she came out where you, thou soldest thy seed and wateredest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whither ye go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. A land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. Lovely description of the promised land there. You know we finished last time we spoke at verse 8 and we were saying that God wanted his people to be strong in their faith and trust in him. And God wants us to be strong. For us to be strong, we must eat the right spiritual food and do the right spiritual exercises. God doesn't want couch potatoes Christians. You know, there's a lot of talk these days about obesity in Britain. The children are all too fat. Why? Because they don't 
eat the right food and they don't exercise. We've become a population of people who don't exercise. We have become a nation of watchers and sitters. From an early age, children sit and watch TV. As they get older, a lot of the men in particular, they stagger down to the stadium and they watch some sport going on. They even go and sit in church and sit and listen to be spoon-fed by the preacher. We have stopped being a nation of people who participate in sport. And this equally applies to church members. We're, we're still babies sucking bottles instead of eating what the scripture says, strong meat. The strong meat of the word. And so we are weak. And God wants us to be strong. And that's what he wants the children of Israel to be strong. And he wants us to be strong. And unless we study the word of God and learn from it. You know we all love, Jesus loves me, this I know. Those simple little hymns which are very true. We want to move on to something. On to sound doctrine, as we were talking about a few minutes ago. Move on to the doctrines of the church. There's an organization in America which is one of these uh, user-friendly churches, Willow Creek, a vast church. And they did a, a long study on the effectiveness of their programs and the philosophy of their ministry. And you know, hundreds of churches have model themselves on Willow Creek people go out and see how Willow Creek works and then they come back and try and model their churches on the program that Willow Creek has the same way as they do with Rick Warren's church the Saddleback Church Philip has been out to, to Willow Creek to see how it works and they've been influenced by the teachings of what goes on in this place called Willow Creek and Bill Hybels the, the, the guy who started the whole thing but here's what their report says the report reveals that most of what they have been doing for years and what they have taught millions of others to do is not producing solid disciples of Jesus Christ numbers yes but not disciples and it gets worse and here's what Heibel says some of the stuff that we have put millions of dollars into thinking it would really help our people to grow and develop spiritually when the data actually came back it wasn't helping people that much forget that they spent millions of dollars doing something that hasn't worked other things that we didn't put that much money into and didn't put much staff against is stuff our people were crying out for One of the seniors there quotes Hybels who talks about what he feels Willow Creek should have been doing. Here's what Hybels says. We made a mistake. What we should have done when people crossed the line of faith and became Christians, we should have started telling people and teaching people that they have to take responsibility to become self-feeders. We should have gotten people, taught people, 
how to read their Bible between services, how to do the spiritual practices much more aggressively on their own. They weren't teaching the people to read their own Bibles. What, a, what an admission. But you know, it's not going to change because their doctrine is wrong. Their doctrine is wrong. They are part of an organization that believes that they are preparing this world for the kingdom of God. And they, when the kingdom of God has been set up, then God, Jesus will come back again. They're what they call dominionists. Kingdom now theology is literally permeating the lecture halls of many Christian seminaries and churches. And mysticism is the propeller propeller that keeps its momentum. If Willow Creek hopes to transform the planet, they won't be able to get rid of the focus on the mystical, contemplative Christianity. And so they, they at their conferences they bring all these weird guys in to speak. But that's the, that's a sad thing. God wants us to be strong Christians. God wants us to be fed on the strong meat of the word they have spent millions of pounds and they've realized that they've been spending it on the wrong things what an incredible admission and it's affected millions of people throughout the world and so that's what we looked about last time we met that God wanted us to be strong but there was another reason And another advantage for the Israelites in obeying the commandments of God. Look at verse 9. And that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed a land that floweth with milk and honey. You know, this was going to be a wonderful land. A land beyond their wildest dreams. We'll see a little about that further on. And what he's saying, if you really want to enjoy it and continue to enjoy it into the future, you can by obeying the commandments and the will of God. And that was it. If if you want to enjoy this land, obey God. And did they? No, they didn't, unfortunately. They didn't. And we say how utterly foolish, how stupid of these people not to obey the word of God and live comfortably in that land. They were eventually taken away out of the land into captivity. But wait a minute. God has promised me a life of peace and joy with him. A fulfilling life of fullness and joy. Jesus said he came to give us life in all its abundance. While living in this sinful world, he said, we may know that peace which passes all understanding in our innermost beings. That's the wonderful secret of the Christian life. When those around us are distressed, don't know where to turn, and we meet people like that every day of the week, they're worried about the future. Worried about climate change. Worried about finances. But they see confusion all around them. Wickedness. Wars. Misery. In the midst of that. Like Jesus there in the boat with the disciples when the storm was raging. 
they were safe because they had Jesus in their lives along with them the Christian may know the presence of God in his life in the person of the Holy Spirit the Comforter and yet so often we fail to stay close to our Lord and Saviour and we wander astray there was a lovely hymn Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood how his kindness yet pursues me mortal tongue can never tell clothed in flesh till death shall lose me I cannot proclaim it well oh to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee prone to wander Lord I feel it prone to leave the God I love here's my heart oh take and seal it seal it for thy courts above on that day when freed from sinning I shall see thy lovely face clothed then in blood washed linen how I'll sing thy sovereign grace come my lord no longer tarry take my ransom soul away send thine angels now to carry me to realms of endless day how often we feel like that Robert Robinson who, who wrote that hymn away back in 1758 lovely hymn we long to see our Lord and rise up to meet him in the air and go in and possess the home that he has prepared for us as he said I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also wonderful anticipation and it will be a wonderful fulfilment but then that was what God wanted his people to do to enjoy the land where they were going if they obeyed him and then Moses goes on to explain and describe this wonderful land this land flowing with milk and honey You know, as they went through the wilderness, I'm sure the manna was a wonderful food. The psalmist, I think, calls it angel's food, prepared by God for his people. For, for over 40 years, they'd eaten this. Now, nevertheless, they had to get up every day. For six days every week, for nearly 40 years going out to collect it they got up they washed they got a pot they went out and collected the manna they came home and had their breakfast for when they got up every morning for 6 days out of every 7 days there was nothing to eat in the house because they couldn't keep the manna over from one day to the next so they had to get up and get their breakfast 
and go out and collect it. Did you ever think of that? They were, for six out of every seven days, for 40 years, totally dependent upon God for their food for that day. You know, we, we have our breakfast every morning because there's something in the, in the cupboard. There was nothing in the cupboard. They had to depend totally on God for that day's food. What a way to live. This was living by faith on a grand scale for a few million people. What are you having tomorrow? I don't know. God is going to provide for us tomorrow. If we had been living like that for 40 years, then the thought of a new land would surely be something to look forward to. A land flowing with milk and honey. Oh, won't that be wonderful? We won't have to get up every morning to go and collect our breakfast. God is going to provide a land flowing with milk and honey. What a prospect for these people. And you know, we are concerned in our lives day by day in trivia. Day by day. We worry. We're concerned over the smallest matter in our lives. And yet we have this example of God providing for his people for 40 years in the wilderness. And these lessons that we see in Deuteronomy and in the Old Testament it says they're for our learning and for our admonition just a little bit there that God is putting in to to show his faithfulness and as to what living by faith really means If God could daily provide for this vast number of people food, water, clothing and all the necessities for living how much more will he provide it for you and for me? That's what it's teaching us. Said the robin to the sparrow I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so said the sparrow to the robin friend I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me and then Moses describes this land in verse 10 and verse 11 and verse 12 for the land which you go in to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you came out where you sowed your seed and watered it with your foot laboriously as in a garden of vegetables. But the land which you enter to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water water of the rain of the heavens. A land which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Moses reminds them here of the land of Egypt from which they have been redeemed and compares it 
with the land into which they were going. And what a vivid contrast it is. All that had to be got out of Egypt required human effort. Nothing profitable was to be obtained from the ground but thorns and thistles and hard labour. And how well the Israelites were aware of that when they were reminded of the hard labour in Egypt. The wicked ruler of that land saw to it that nothing came to them except by hard, human, laborious endeavour. Anybody who's kept a garden knows even stop for a short length of time and all human endeavour is soon swallowed up by the inherent nature of the land's weeds, thorns and thistles. That land is one of continuous human labour with no let up. The land was dependent upon its own human resources. Only fleshly principles applied in Egypt from which there was little result. Hard work, that's what Egypt meant for these people. Hard human labour. Now spiritually, we see the results in this land with us still today. The same type in today's religious world. They're still working on the principles of Egypt. One can see all around the earnest human labour of the religious world. We have these meetings held in these countries. All hard work seeking to create an atmosphere pleasing to God. But it's by human effort. Sincere good intentions. But what is the last lasting spiritual result we see people as scripture tells us they have a form of godliness but deny the power of it and we are warned from such turn away from such turn away for this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins led away with divers lusts ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth Yes, they're always trying to learn more, but they never come to the real knowledge of truth in Jesus Christ. Peter calls people like this, who are working on purely physical efforts in the spiritual world, they're like wells without water. Go out to get water, there's no water there. You think there's going to be water, but they don't produce anything for you. They're clouds that are carried with a tempest. You see the cloud coming. You say, oh, we're going to have rain. But nothing happens. Clouds without water. And he says, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. But when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promise them liberty. Oh yes, these people, these religious people, they promise a lot. They themselves, the scripture tells us, are servants of corruption. 
For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. But in verse 11, he goes to describe the good land, the new land. And there's a but there. I don't know whether it's in your Bible. It says but. Oh, this is the way it was in Egypt. Hard labor. Everything had to be done by human endeavor. And brought little results. But the land, whither ye go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven a land which the Lord thy God careth for the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year what a contrast what a contrast now from being from being children we have heard this land always described as the land of milk and honey But I want to put a spiritual description on this land as we shall see if we look at Psalm 65 Psalm 65 and verse 9 Psalm 65 another description of this wonderful land which God had provided for the children of Israel Psalm 65 and verse 9 and look while I'm reading this, I'm reading in the authorised, but look in your Bible too. Thou, look at the numbers of thou's and thy's in, in these few verses. Thou visitest the earth. Thou waterest it. Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Instead of being wells without water, here's this river full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. Thou waterest the ridges thereof abundantly. Thou settlest the furrows thereof. Thou makest it soft with showers. Thou blessest the springing thereof. Thou crownest the year with thy goodness, and thy paths drop fatness. They drop upon the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks. The valleys are covered over with corn. They shout for joy. They also sing. You ever see a cornfield in ripe? Uh, blowing in the wind you nearly think it was shouting for joy because it's ripened in the sun that's what the psalmist could see in this wonderful land there's nothing in those verses of human endeavour nothing God was providing this wonderful land for these people in Egypt it was all human labour and useless endeavour in Canaan It is all of God and His grace in and through our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Before we became Christians, our efforts were all of the flesh. Since we have become children of God, it is all of God and nothing of the flesh. 
That's the difference between living in Canaan and living in the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know something about this? There are no human boundaries in this wonderful land that God was giving them. Here there is freedom in the Spirit of God and the river of God flowing through that land without hindrance. A wonderful picture. You know when the, when, when the apostles, we hear of them preaching in, in Acts, they had that freedom, the simplicity of preaching. What the apostles did was not covered, governed by the, their, their ideas, but they allowed themselves to be used by the Holy Spirit. Like that river flowing freely through that land. Somebody had said that the preachers were prepared rather than the sermons. You know, we always say, what, what, I better prepare my sermon. I better prepare a talk. It's more important that God should prepare me and prepare you. And then, whatever you say will flow freely uh, from Him. Nothing of the flesh should come through. I read something this week which I found challenging. An old and honoured servant of the Lord in answer to the question by a young man who had been asked to speak at a meeting. He said, what should I study? The old man said, study well these four words. The flesh profiteth nothing. It's not what you study, it's what God wants you to study. He will give you the message. May all we speak be of the Spirit of God working through us. When we witness and teach, may we be like the early apostles and feel the waters of the rain of heaven falling on what we say and what we speak. The apostles knew of the spiritual naturalness in their ministry. A simplicity, a freshness which we seem to have lost today. We seek constantly to seek to channel that river of God into man-made channels. We seek to curtail in some way that flowing of the river of God through the land. May we, like Peter, know the experience that he says in 1 Peter 1.12 To whom it was revealed that not to themselves but to you they ministered those things which have now been announced to you by those who have declared to you the glad tidings by the Spirit of God sent from heaven which angels desire to look into. We have been declared to you the glad tidings by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. He's the one who will direct and guide our thoughts and our actions. This rain, we have this wonderful picture of this rain falling on the land. Thou waterest it in the, in the, but the land where ye go in to possess is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. What a wonderful picture. 
There's one thing more I just want to say before before we close. But the rain of heaven, rain from God, falling upon the land. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Have a look at this. Moses again speaking. Deuteronomy 32 verse 2. Moses speaking. Here's what he says. God is speaking through Moses. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew. As the small rain upon the tender herb. And as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. You know it's essential as I said earlier on. That we pay great heed to doctrine. It is only through the gentle doctrine of scripture. Falling like refreshing rain on tender herbs. And showers on grass. That these tender plants will grow and flourish. In the doctrine of of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. We must always proclaim and publish the name of the Lord. Not any other man. No matter how well known and respected a human person is. We must only proclaim the name of God. We must ascribe only greatness to him alone. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are righteous. A God of faithfulness without deceit. Just and right is he. What a wonderful God we have. Perfect. Righteous. Faithful. Just. Right. And without deceit. Oh if we could be more like him. May we grow to become more like our Saviour day by day. More about Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love who died for me. More about Jesus let me learn. More of his holy will discern. Spirit of God my teacher be. Showing the things of Christ to me. More about Jesus in his word. Holding communion with my Lord. Hearing his voice in every line. Making each faithful saying mine. More about Jesus on his throne. Riches and glory all his own. More of his kingdom's sure increase. More of his coming. Prince of peace. More, more about Jesus. More of his saving fullness see. More of his love. Who died for me. I think we'll stop there. We'll continue on. About this wonderful land. When next we meet.